Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And this week's episode is sponsored by our favorite people at Blue Blocks, the blue light blocking glasses that everyone needs in their life right now, especially as you're looking at screens all day long. There's a lot of news. You're working from home. Don't stress yourself out anymore. Get some blue light blocking glasses and support the podcast at the same time. You can go to blublox.com. The discount code is Joy. We love our blue blocks. I wear mine all the time. I always get people asking about my cute glasses when I'm on video chat. I know you guys are on video chat all day just like us. So, you know, spruce up your face. Spruce up your face. Are, they, are those the ones you're wearing right now? Blue no, box? the oh, ones I'm not. wearing right now are my prescription ones. Okay. But I, so I wear my, I have my prescription lenses that I get like from the eye doctor. Yeah. Now have, they come with blue light lenses that are prescription. So I haven't had to send in or I haven't gotten prescription lenses from blue blocks yet because I already have blue blocking prescription lenses. And so I use my blue blockers, my blue blocks lenses when I have my contacts on. Got it. So I have any type of variety. Yeah, I could ever want. You're prepared. And I'm the same way, especially at night. I love wearing them when I get home in the evening. And I'm editing and I'm doing a lot of work on the computer. It's definitely helped my sleep. And also, are you experiencing sleeplessness because of the long days? Now that we've hit summer solstice and the longest day of the year is behind us, it's still like I'm having Rain, a hard time like, calming my yeah, calming myself down. So these really help. So you guys, thank you so much in advance for supporting the podcast. It's blublox.com. The discount code is JOY. All right. Speaking of relaxing, chilling out, Max, and relax, and you <laughs> went backpacking, and I really want to hear all about it because yeah, I've had great. like serious. Um, and whenever I complain about about this, I feel kind of silly because I'm like, we really are lucky. We're, we live great lives, but I still just really miss traveling and I miss going places. So I really want to hear about this because I feel like it will fill me up as well, and maybe some of the listeners too. <laughs> If you're stuck yeah. inside, I was like, Claire, just keep sending pictures of wherever you are. I know. This it also the- made me really miss our Iceland trip. I know. It did remind me of our Iceland trip. I feel like one. So back in December, January, we had planned a trip to go to Seattle for this past weekend. We were going to stay get a, got an Airbnb on Bainbridge Island. We were going to like do the whole thing. And obviously, we decided not to do that. And it was I mean, I don't really want to be traveling right now. Like being on a plane kind of makes me feel nervous. But more than that, it was that even if we were to have gotten there and, you know, could have worn masks on the plane, whatever, there wasn't going to be anything to do when we were there. You know, like a lot of the restaurants aren't open. Like Seattle is still pretty closed down. So we just decided, you know what, we're not going to like, and also we want to be sensitive around not traveling to other communities. You know, I know there's a lot of guidelines around that right now. It's like, okay, technically, yes, you could come to, you could travel somewhere else but like if you go to that place and you're sick or whatever like you're just taxing on their own resources so we decided not to go for a variety of reasons and but my mom had already been planning on watching the kids and you know it's now been several months since I mean the last time Brandon and I had any time alone just the two of us really was like that the first weekend of lockdown was Brandon's birthday Mm. or like the weekend kind of right before lockdown started was Brandon's birthday. Yeah. And so my mom came over and like watched the kids that whole day on Sunday of that weekend. And we like went out and went on a hike and like went out to brunch before things shut down, not knowing, you know, what we were doing really. And that was really, and then I guess actually there was one other time on, was it Mother's Day weekend? We like went on a hike together, but Suffice to say that our child free time has been very few and far between. 
um, which it typically is, but we typically get more frequent, shorter breaks. Like my mom will come in an, in normal life, comes over a couple of times a month on the weekends and watches the kids while we go run errands or whatever. So we were like, mom, can you please still stay on the hook for watching the kids? And we're going to figure out something else to do. So we went backpacking and we drove down, stayed the night uh, in Durango, or so not Durango, sorry, stayed the night in Ure, which every single person was wearing masks. We were really impressed. The hotel that we stayed at, like reviewed their COVID policies. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Good job, we Ure. Ate, I know we ate dinner on a rooftop patio, like very far away from a lot of people. There was like a nice breeze. Everyone had masks on. I was like, this actually feels like the safest possible solution to this because we're like on a roof with a breeze and we're like upwind of all the people. Love it. It was mm-hmm. lovely. And then we drove the next day to our trailhead. And if you guys are familiar with Colorado, we were near Mullis Pass, which is in the San Juans. Um, and there's a highway that goes between Ure and Durango that is lovingly known as the Million Dollar Highway because it's the views are amazing. And also it's like a feat of engineering. And this like can't be more than 100 mile stretch of road. So we, yeah, we did a little backpacking trip. We'd had a five mile hike in. I used to be backpacking instructor. Brandon and I both have like done a ton of backpacking in our lives, but it's been years before since we've been backpacking. So we picked a pretty easy one, did a little backpacking trip, a five mile hike into this cute little lake. And then there was a 13er. Which, if you guys are not familiar with that terminology, <laughs> a thirteen. I know. 000, I always forget people who don't live in Colorado I know, who don't know, like fourteen or thirteen or yes. So, right. so fourteen or is more widely known. It's any peak that's above fourteen thousand feet in elevation, and Colorado has. And I don't know why that's like the that's the delineation that we've picked, but we have. And there's like fifty or some odd peaks like that in Colorado, fifty-two or fifty-five. Which people on. will go crazy and try yeah. to hike every single one of them, which right. is great. Brennan has tried to get us to go on like a family trip together. And Claire and I have always been like, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't like 14ers because for me, like, I don't like hiking just to get to the summit. I just kind of like to like bop around. Yeah. Like I hate, and it's just constant incline and you're just miserable and breathing hard the whole time. Like I want to (laughs) like sit by a Creek. I don't want to like just be on a incline treadmill for five hours because you're just trying you're so focused on trying not to fall and trying to just like keep your head down and like look where you're walking that you can't notice all the beautiful scenery and it doesn't feel beautiful when your heart rate is at like 150 beats per minute yeah right and there's no air right and like for those of you who don't know a lot about alpine terrain (laughs) at about 11,700 feet tree there's not enough oxygen for trees to grow so no more trees so like you still have to go another 2,500 feet in elevation after that, and there are 25 stories, 250 stories. How many stories? 2,500 feet is 250 stories. Mm-hmm. So you still got it. It's just not worth it. In yeah. my opinion. I am not motivated. The trees have given up at that point And you're like, right. I'm still and going. So, yeah. And I so wanna, must I. I would like to, I would like to give up when the trees give up. <laughs> yeah. I feel good about that. So there was a 13er, which is a lesser known moniker for 13,000 peaks that are between 13 and 14,000. And ironically, a lot of, thir- of 13ers are more technical than the 14ers because they tend to be a lot steeper. And there was a 13er right above our campsite that a lot of people like use this campsite for to um, as like a base camp to do this. So we had thought, oh, okay, on Friday, we're going to do a layover day at our campsite and we're going to do this 13er. Well, fr- on Thursday, we got to our campsite so early at like noon. And so we ended up hiking most of the 13er and we were like, well, let's just go check it out. We ended up getting up to like the saddle right before the peak, right before kind of like the scrambling started that night. And I was like, well, I'm not scrambling. That does not sound fun to me at all. And so I've reached 
the altitude limit for this yes. hike. Yes. And, you know, and Brandon was like, okay, well, we'll come back tomorrow. And like, you can hike up to this point and I'll scramble at the top. So we got to that point the next day by like nine in the morning. And Brandon like tried to kind of scramble, decided it wasn't worth it. We went back down. So here we are. It's 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. And we're supposed to spend the whole day at this campsite. And we we're like, what the hell are we going to do all day? So I hadn't even brought a book. Like this is how not used to planning free time I am. I am. Like I don't, because when I travel, I'm with kids or I'm working. Right. And so I never even like bring books when I travel. Like I had not brought anything. And so we were like, what are we going to do all day? And so we called our friends who live in Moab and we were like, hey, can we come camp in your backyard tonight? (laughs) So we just went to Moab and spent like a day, you know, like 18 hours in Moab and saw our really good friends who still live there, who lived there when Brandon and I lived there. And that was super fun. Also the first time we've been in Moab without kids since Miles was born. And it was, yeah, it was great. So it turned out to like be a little bit of a road trip. I was definitely surprised like surprised but not surprised at the wide range of mask wearing when somebody does something they're supposed to do compliance compliance mm-hmm. like we went to grand junction no masks mm-hmm. in grand really junction. we went we went into king super like the kroger to go to the bathroom there was an elderly woman on oxygen with no mask oh my goodness and i wonder how many cases they have there not that it mat- matters but not, it's a very uh, trends uh, Tra- not it's transient very, like, and like but like people, people go- you pass through grand junction to get to moab to get to yeah like you pass yeah. through a lot of people are passed through grand junction and um that was shocking to me because and i think a lot of people who are listening are like yeah people in our town are not wearing masks so like, right everyone yeah, in I boulder mean, and denver are wearing masks like people are like walking you, their dogs with masks on yes people are like, walking outside and running and biking with masks on in colorado or at least in denver boulder and the surrounding areas and uh it's really interesting to me because i've been seeing i mean we've had so much news variety in the past few months with covid with black lives matter with i'm losing track of all the things that are coming out on the news that's like been the main focus and i think covid's really taken a back seat and so that is something that's been coming to the forefront is the states that are not that haven't been in compliance, or I should say they haven't been as strict with their rules. That's their compliance. That's what they've decided on. Colorado has been really, really strict. And so I think that we are so used to living that lifestyle. And I have really, I mean, most of y'all know, I have really good friends and family in Arizona. And they're like, yeah, our governor's not taking it seriously at all. And now the cases are going up because they had loose restrictions that no one followed. And now they're quote unquote opening back up and the cases are just skyrocketing because things weren't really strict to begin with. So it's a huge mess. I mean, I think I was looking at the numbers. We're recording this on the 23rd and I believe it was the, the 16th of June that I looked and saw that Arizona had a spike of 34% increase in cases. (laughs) 34%. (laughs) Not good. And that was like in a very short time span. I want to say it was like a week of a time span that they were measuring the spike of cases. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. So I I hesitate to to be uh, preachy about it, but certainly if you are living in a state where people aren't taking, your governor's not taking it seriously, or people are kind of saying, I want to exercise my freedom and not wear a mask, I would implore you to do some research, listen to the science. If you don't believe in science, I, I can't help you. But it, it makes me angry yeah. because I'm like, you obviously don't work in healthcare. 
you are really selfish and thinking about how this impacts you and your freedom versus others. It makes me really upset. Yeah, I think the thing that I've seen, you know, I've seen that tweet that's been going around a lot the last few days, which I agree with, which is like, if the experts are right, then me wearing a mask could potentially help protect those around me from, you know, my own germs. I'm paraphrasing. Right. If the experts are not right and wearing a mask doesn't help, then all that's happened is that I have been, I've had to deal with the inconvenience of wearing a piece of cloth on my face a few times a day. Yeah. And it's like, if that, like, that's the worst case scenario here. The best case scenario is that this is really going to help. The worst case scenario is that it doesn't help and it's uncomfortable to have to wear a mask sometimes. It's uncomfortable and an inconvenience. Okay, but really, really quick. Was your trip as therapeutic as you wanted it to be? Was it everything you desired and more? So I think it was. And I think it, like, it's hard because... When you have kids, <laughs> the moment you, when you're with them all the time, you're like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And then when you're away from them, and you're like, oh my gosh, I miss them. I them. feel so bad. You have like you're mom like, guilt. Not yeah. even like mom guilt, but just like, I truly miss them. Yeah. I'm not like, oh, I really should have brought them. I feel bad that they're away from me. But I'm like, oh my gosh. I just really want. Miles would love that lizard totally. we just saw. Right. Like, especially because, especially Miles right now, he's so into nature. Oh, yeah. Everything nature is like his thing. And, you know, we'll go, we'll go on a walk around. We can walk up our street and he will find you know something to be so excited about he's like mom look at this amazing stick yeah sticks like, and rocks and things right yeah, everything. everything is like just so magical to him and so to go on this like long nature hike through the woods like deep in the back not deep but like into the back country it was it was like Oh, man. Streams and, I, yeah. It's hard. It was like, I couldn't do this with Miles. You know, like he couldn't do this hike. Right. But, oh my gosh, I miss him. Like I'm thinking of him so much while I'm yeah. here. And then, and, you know, being in Moab, our friends that we stayed with, they have a, a two and a half year old who is so cute and like say, saying the cutest things. And I was like, oh, I wish like Evie was here to play with him and Miles. And, you know, so, um, and I also think that like when you, and you, I think you, everyone who's listening to this can relate. When you're going on months of high stress, high strung, you can't just flip the switch and go on vacation. Oh, no. You it know, takes so you like Brandon three to four I, days to like really yes, come down. Exactly. And, you know, so we only, our total trip was like three and a half days. So it definitely helped, but it wasn't like, oh, it totally. wasn't like the taking off the bra at the end of the day that I was right. looking for. But, you know, like Brandon and I both were having stress dreams. Like I had a dream that like I sent the wrong, that an email out, but like not everyone who was supposed to get it, got it. And I like, couldn't figure out why people were missing from the segment. And like, I couldn't get everybody on the list that needed to be on the list. Like I'm dreaming about like not being able to send the right email. It, but it was, it was so nice to literally not be able to check my email. To like, like truly be unplugged. To be out of service and turn off my phone and not even have it be like in my mind. That was really nice. Yeah. I think that next time I go, if I, if we keep doing more backcountry stuff, more backpacking and stuff, I think I'd like to get a camera because I did have my phone out a lot because I was taking so many pictures and I got service. Like you get service almost everywhere now. And so it was really hard to not like at least be texting, you know, right. and I was, like, I was texting on, right. like pictures. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. And it would have been, I think if I had had like a camera, I could have been like, you know what? No, my phone's staying in the car or like right. I'll bring it, but I'm going to only keep, take it off. It's an emergency. Or like put it on airplane mode so you can only 
definitely access the camera, but it's just so right. tempting. It's so it tempting. is so tempting. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the temptation is there, but I totally understand how hard it is to relax like three or four days into our vacations. Whenever we take like a good 10 day vacation, I feel like day right. three or four is when I like finally feel you the letdown. start to finally get into vacation brain. And I think I'll, I'll never forget. It was probably six years ago when I, when Scott and I took a 10 day vacation to Hawaii and I'll never forget the moment. I had this moment. It has not happened since, but I just have been like, oh, I really want to have a vacation where at one point during the vacation, I want to say it was like maybe day seven or eight. I, no joke, forgot that I had a job. Like I was so present and so just like in the moment with where we were, I forgot that I had a job. Like I forgot about life. I forgot about the stress. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I have a job that I have to get back to. I think that's the goal of vacation is to just be so completely present that you like forgot what your life was like. It's just hard to achieve. I know that's really, really hard to really hard. achieve. And especially right now. Well, and that was the other thing too. And like I kind of wrote about, we talked about this a little bit last week and um, I just have continued to think so much about the difference between sort of oh, I need a break and, mm-hmm. you know, take and like the privilege of taking a break versus like I need space in my brain to actually process some of the stuff that I've been learning and actually put that into action, actually have some conversations like Brandon and I actually did have quite a few conversations about race and racism and, you know, the different things, different ways that in like we've impacted the system and that, that we know we have just the, the different things that we're currently learning. And we talked a lot about like our family and how we're going to be more aggressive doesn't really sound like deliberate, right intentional, deliberate, intentional. Yeah. About like bringing more diverse culture into our family. And, you know, we, um, I like, I hesitate to like enumerate all of these things because I don't want it to make it sound like it's like a competition where everyone's like, well, this is what I did this week. Yeah. But I, I think get that. Like, right. But like, you know, we're, and, and I also don't want it to feel like, oh, I have to prove to you that I'm doing no. work. Yeah. That's exactly why I've kind of laid off social media because I'm like, I don't yeah. have to prove to anybody that A, I've been doing the work and I don't, but I don't need to say that either. You know, and none of this need, needs a platform. So I, I get really weird about having to post it to prove. And I completely understand what you're saying. So yeah. it's like, so, it's like just hey listeners just so you know we're doing <laughs> but hey it's also just so you know we're not yeah. just like un- disengaging and ignoring right and if anything i'm disengaging so that i don't have to like i was I, like i was saying before like i was getting to the point where i was so filled with anxiety and stress that i felt immobilized mm. and now it's like okay i actually have created space by stepping away from social media by going you know taking some time to go into the woods literally i've actually created space in my brain to process and figure out where the rubber meets the road in my life and in our podcast. And rather than just feeling like I'm at my wits end all day long, where I hit the pillow and I'm so stressed out, you know, I'm having like work stress dreams. Like, so yeah, totally, totally, it was really, it was great. And I think it also the goal, I mean, granted this, this vacation had been in place for months. So it's not like, Oh, I, this was a response to everything going on. It just so happened to fall. Exactly. Right. And we weren't going to like not take it just for the sake of staying engaged. But I think especially if your work is going to ramp up this fall, potentially, you just want to take some time off. There's no way. Right. I'm not going to have any PTO like pretty much the rest of the year. And Mm -hmm. so it's but I you know, we did really try to be intentional about, okay, let's have some good conversations. Let's let's think about how we're going to do this moving forward. And, you know, living in Boulder County, you really have to seek out diversity and Boulder is interesting in the sense that like it Boulder actually does have a lot of cultural diversity, but 
very little racial diversity. And it's, you know, the difference between those two things, you can kind of say that, you know, you can't have a ton of cultural diversity without any racial diversity. But what I mean by that is like, if you seek it out, there is diversity there. And there is even racial diversity if you seek it out in Boulder County. But it is very difficult in the way that the system, not difficult, but you know, the way that it's been set up in Boulder is very like the haves and have nots. And I Mm. think that that's very true in a lot of like upper middle class to upper class towns. And, you know, so how can we, you know, I mean, like we talk a lot about the schools in our area. We're in a good school district, but our neighborhood in and of itself does not go to the best schools in the district. We could open enroll easily into quote unquote better schools. But at that point, are we just perpetuating the same divisions that exist? And, you know, with Miles's preschool next year, like we are actively seeking to put him into a bilingual preschool where he will have, you know, first of all, I could go on a tangent about this forever, but like, you know, we are one of the only white families in our neighborhood. It's a very predominantly Latinx um, neighborhood, which is, we love. And I'm not, you know, and I only bring that up to say that we are like the only idiots on this block who are not bilingual. And it has really, even long before George Floyd was killed and long before this was a more of a national conversation. Long before a lot of the police brutality conversation was blowing up where it's been around, but now it's really blowing up into the forefront of the news, we should say. Right, long before like this was like at all of our This has been an ongoing issue, but you're saying kind of like long before this was like Long before this was a national conversation dialogue. We have been talking about you know, the fact that it feels disrespectful almost for us to expect that everyone in our neighborhood who speaks Spanish at home and speaks Spanish with one with one another speaks English with us and assume that like we should assume that everyone can speak English with us. Right. Like why are we not more invested in learning Spanish? And, you know, that's just one example of mm-hmm. something that we have talked about for a long time and are, you know, actively trying and, and have actively tried to figure out like that for us feels like where the rubber meets the road because we don't have a lot of black people in our community. And I, I am struggling. I am struggling with this because I personally don't have, I have hardly any black friends and I don't want to just like rush out and go like find some black friends like that to me. You know, it's like, I don't want to like just go get a token black friend like that. Like even just saying that to me is like, Ugh. like that sounds so terrible. And you know, but I'm, like you read these things are like, if you don't have any black friends then like, that's a problem. And like, I'm not saying it's not a problem, but what I am saying is that I need to be better about being having part of my community be more racially diverse. Mm-hmm. The places, the the, the places where I go and hang out, and the environments that I put yeah, myself right, in. Right, and that's on me to put myself into those environments rather than expecting people of color and BIPOC people to come into my environment. Um, but that's not going to happen overnight. Nor do I want to just like flood those places. And so our first step is looking at and has been already looking at. Okay, given our current daily lives, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And so we talked a lot about that when we were backpacking. and That's great. I think yeah. it's really important to, to take. This is exactly what we, we've been talking about on the episodes of taking space and figuring out mm-hmm. how this, you know, what this means for you in your life, whether you've been a lifelong learner about uh, race, diversity, the history of the black community, the history of slavery. I mean, all of those things. If you, this is, you know, these are the things where. We have gotten a little bit of flack, which I understand, but if you are new to the conversation and, you know, you felt kind of a little bit of attacked, I think that's something that I think it's valid to feel that way, but also you can't really stay there. You just have to kind of, 
you have to let that go to really do the work and absorb all the things and all the complexities of what's going in our, on in our nation and in our world right now. And so if, if we've ever sounded harsh, or especially, you know, I think I kind of really just bashed white women a couple weeks ago, I think that there is the argument of like, well, we're learning, like, let us have our process and learn, and there's really no wrong way to learn. But I, and I get that, but I also feel like that's just, it's not really about, it's not about your feelings right now. I guess it is, but it isn't, I guess, if that makes sense. It's more about there is a huge problem that the white community has ignored. You don't really get the time to catch up. And there's like kind of like a no apologies around that. You just don't, you don't have that luxury. You've had a lifetime of luxury and just by being a Caucasian. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are trying to suss out themselves, which it is a personal journey. I completely understand that. So there's not like one right way to do it. But I think what the conversations that I've been having with my own family, friends, coworkers, is that it really feels right now, it feels like there's no one right answer and every answer feels wrong. And I think that's where white people especially are starting to give up. And that's what I fear. And I think that's what especially now the black community, I think they fear that white people have the quote unquote luxury of just kind of stepping back and being like, oh, I'm exhausted. If you feel that way, please don't resist that urge. And that is kind of the default that we've been living in in our, our entire lives. But I think that that's the that's where the work begins is the second you feel really uncomfortable, like you want to just go back to your default of ignorance is bliss, so to speak, which actually ignorance is not bliss. But um, it's actually a really, really difficult thing to face. And so I've been reflecting a lot about that. And I think it's just so important for, for everyone to realize that when I was seeing so much, I don't want to say hate, but there was a lot of confusion. Let's just put it that way. I was very confused on social media because just when I thought it was okay to go this route, then I saw a post saying, no white women, you're wrong, go this route. And so I was kind of like, well, I need to sit back and reflect on what matters within my inner circle. Going back to the same thing we've been preaching is like social media should not dictate, it should give you information. It's a valuable tool, but it should not dictate your own personal journey with your friends and family and intimate circle of how you want to be a better human and foster diversity and welcome uh, more culture into your life if you haven't been doing that already, if you've just been living in that white privilege space. Right. And one of the things that Brandon and I talked a lot about, too, was like the difference between, to your point, people feeling like, well, any step I take feels wrong. And I'm and any step I take, I get attacked or, you know, I get called out. I get and and I think that that's multifaceted. There's a lot to unpack there. But the, I think the two big things are, first of all, don't like learn to take things Seriously, but not personally. Right. Which we talked about last exactly. week. Exactly. Take which it is seriously, a not personally. Quote. And that's where I think people are starting to do, they're doing it too much of taking it personally. And I think that's, and that's where. that's the thing. And it's like, this yeah. is not about you, not about Joy. You. No. This is about you, white person who's benefited from generations of systemic of systemic white supremacy and racism. Yeah. And the second you start you to know, take you it personal, you need to own your part just, in that. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. not, you know, and I, you need to, to, and that doesn't. However, that doesn't absolve you of your personal responsibility to address it. It just means that like, you know, you don't need to prove anything to anyone about, you know, how difficult your life has been as a white person. Like there's just so many things where like taking it, I think when people start to take it personally, they start to really try to get this knee jerk reaction of like, well, wait a minute, my life hasn't exactly been easy. Right. And we hear that a lot. And we had some comments. I I think we had some idiot comment on our Instagram about someone that was like, yeah, I said something like, yeah, white, I joked back that, oh, yeah, white people just had it so hard. 
Yeah, they're and like, what an ignorant comment. Some people do have really hard lives. It was like, okay, I was just I'm like, you don't get, it. you don't even get. It. It's just not even. And it's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna educate you in my comment section. Yeah, I don't even know where not, you came from. You're clearly not. not. But that was a moment where I'm like, oh man, oh it just. Some people so are still bad. there though. They're still and I there. Think, well, so what Brandon and I, one thing we talked a lot about was the difference between, first of all, recognizing what your objective is when you are thinking about or talking about something, and if it's like, okay. Our objective is to stop police brutality against black people. Under that objective, my personal Claire Cook experience and opinion does not matter at all. What matters is my ability to use my privilege to uplift and amplify black voices to achieve that goal. If my goal and objective is to have a one-on-one conversation with someone in my family or maybe a person of color in my community to more clearly understand my experience and their experience, then maybe my personal opinion and experience does matter and I is relevant to that conversation and it is appropriate for me to say, well, this is what I've been thinking and feeling and this is how it's affected me and this is how, you know, my reaction to it. Kind of like what we were talking about last week. If our, if your objective, like somebody who wrote in and was like sometimes saying like as a white woman and calling that out is helpful. If my objective is to speak to other 32-year-old white women and you know in upper middle class neighborhoods, then again, maybe my perspective helpful. and my experience sure. is helpful. Sure. And so that's I think really what a lot of people aren't asking themselves is like, let me take a step back. In this conversation that I'm about to engage in, whether it's in an Instagram comment or whether it's in the car with my husband or whether it's the dinner table with my you know, uncle who has a Confederate flag above his couch, what is my objective? And let's then take a second to think about how can I use or not use my voice, my privilege, my experience, my opinions, what under the umbrella of that toolbox is appropriate for me to use in the pursuit of this objective? And every conversation is gonna be a little bit different And, you know, like I started thinking about that a little bit, almost like a term paper. You know, it's like you walk in to write a paper and you think about, okay, who's my audience here? Totally. Every single conversation is going to be different. And that's what I think people get so confused about is because they're getting direction from maybe one influencer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but this one influencer isn't doesn't know me. And that's where I think I'm really trying to step away from that is there's a lot I, I love. I love that there is such a. I think, deep conversation going on around it. However, going back to the inner circle conversations or even within your community conversations, every single one is going to be different, catered to you specifically and you reflecting on your own life experiences and how you can help. And I think if there's any message I could say to kind of not summarize this because there is no summary... (laughs) It's just, this is not about you. If you are a white person, it is about you, but it's not about you and your feelings and how you failed here or you failed there and what you're going to do. Unless you're truly being asked by someone, (laughs) now is not the time. I think now is the time when I'm talking about this specifically of don't get your feelings hurt. It's not about your feelings getting hurt. If you feel like you're being called out, continue. Yeah. And then the one other thing, like just to continue, like kind of fit, wrap up the, the lessons I've learned this week segment is around making space in your life for the close people in your life to mess up. And I think as particularly as white people, we, we right now, I know, especially a lot of my white friends feel like they are the first people to jump all over someone that they see doing something quote unquote wrong. And 
first of all, I will say back to what I said last week, which is maybe right now social media is not the place where you need to be processing all this publicly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let's find our close friends and family members who will listen with an open ear, challenge us and who we do feel safe being corrected by and who we know, you know, that's the thing is like if someone on social media is going to call me out on something, I'm going to get annoyed. Mm-hmm. But if you or Brandon or somebody calls me out and says, hey, actually, that's not the right way to say that. Or actually, I don't know if you realize, but what, like that, tr- like that thread of thinking is kind of offensive or, you know, let's take a step back. And why are, what are you like? What, why are you making that assumption? I'm curious. Yeah. I'm and curious. I think just like those are the conversations that we need to be open to having with one another and creating judgment free spaces so that within our own inner circles, we can feel comfortable taking those steps to increase, you know, our knowledge of, of a lot of topics that don't have a right answer. Mm-hmm. And you need, you know, like a lot of us are going to need to get comfortable with being wrong, which is just something that as an American society, we are not comfortable with, no matter what the context. You know, I mean, how many people feel totally fine? Even a year ago, would you have felt fine raising your hand in a meeting and saying something that you didn't know to be completely correct and getting called out on it, even if it was something trivial Mm -hmm. out of the context of this very huge, important conversation of race and racism? Right. So I think that that's the other thing is, you know, find the areas where it does feel safer for you to mess up and find the people who are going to challenge you and who are going to help you learn who are in your community and in your circle. And if you don't have any of those people, then find someone who you can pay to do that. Yeah. And I, and I think the thing that that's really important that I've realized and I'm reflecting on is that this is really, it, it is a personal journey, but I think that that's where people are scrambling independently. And again, this is just based off of like social media of like, oh, these are the books I'm reading and this is what I'm doing right now. And it's, it feels like that has a dead end where I feel the place where I can make a bigger impact is by continuing to educate myself around what's going on in my community to immerse myself in my community where groups can make an impact, whether it be neighborhood boards or community meetings or, you know, going to the, like our, our little local police department has meetings like um, neighborhood watch meetings and those types of things where I can even just kind of like get in a feel for what is going on in my community and how they view our community or our local representatives, those types of things I think are really important to educate yourself on of what is going on around you instead of just you. Again, educating yourself and reading books is great, but I, I feel like that to me is like, what's the plan for this? <laughs> what's the plan? Just, a, just, mm-hmm. just attach it to a plan, which by the way, someone wrote in and was like, can we please get big glitter hats that say like, what's the plan for this and sell it for your podcast? I'm like, please, someone out there who, Claire, you, I'm sure you can figure that out. Oh yeah. As a reminder, we still have like 250 Joy and Claire pins. <gasps> yes, we do. What They're sitting we do in a box those? next to my bed. I don't How know. How do we, we get rid of like, those? How do we get rid of those? Because I'm not Joy shipping. Joy can't cut her hair until we get them. No. Out. Yeah, that's we my problem. We can pay for shipping. I don't care. They're little. Oh yeah, yeah. That, but I just think. Envelope. But here's the thing. We need like someone in the Denver Boulder area to, to, to do that for us. Anywhere. I'll ship you the box. Okay. They're still if in the box. If anyone wants to be I our shipping person. 
we will really, gladly yeah. take orders for and the And I'm sure the that pins. there's a way to do this where you can like print your own labels. Uh, I know there is. I know. We just, it's These not are, This is a part of the, of the podcast where we're just like, ugh, I don't know. This is I'm like what tired. differentiates Joy and I from the real influencers. <laughs> I'm too tired. I want to take a nap. We are way too lazy to have our own merch. When someone starts talking about shipping labels and sending things out, I just want to take a nap. Yeah, like, this is where yeah, we're kind of like, oh, I'd rather just have a box of pins with my face on it sitting next to my bed forever. They're so cute. People need them. They're okay, so and then cute. The, so then the next step would be hats to say, what's the plan for this? But totally. you could anyway. put our pins on the hat. Oh, that's a great idea. We and, should do you know, it as like a fundraiser. That would make more sense. We really should. Can okay, the hats so be, if you are someone. Yeah, can the hats be tie dye? And yes. like the rainbow. Oh my gosh. The fact that tie-dye is having a moment right now. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about it. It's been having I a couple it. years of moments and I just but don't like, want it to go really away. it's really come in this summer. I know. Yeah. I used to tie-dye I know college. you did. Like th- I had like 30 tie-dye shirts. I you wore tie-dye all the time. You had us tie-dye um, for At Miles' my baby shower. Baby shower yeah, and it was so fantastic and fun. Such a great idea. We still have a lot of those baby blankets that have tie-dye. If you're looking for a fun social distance baby shower idea, have your friends come into your backyard and tie-dye with them. So uh, a bunch of onesies and stuff. It's perfect because then your kids can poop on them and it doesn't matter. Yep. Just blends into the Now it's just part of the tie-dye. It's fun. <laughs> but yes, hats, pins. And I know over the years we have had people who've emailed us and said like, hey, I, you know, I am an admin or I am whatever. And if you ever need any help. And those, those messages emails. are a lot. Those emails are in the abyss could now. you please email us again and just make sure it's like important please read me important i can help you pins. with this yes okay yes. that sounds like a great great plan all right let's finish up with well you know i feel like we need to address this a little bit we got a really good voice memo i feel like i always say that because you guys are the best and you give us great voice memos Sandra wrote in and she said, hope you're both hanging in and doing okay. Attached, you will find a five minute voice memo commenting on your thoughts on the social media mosh pit, which by the way, I got so many of my friends like Gary messaged me with like this mosh mosh pit meme. He's like, this is Claire right now. I'm like, yes, it's the perfect example of what's going on in social media. I offer a possible productive way to engage. My suggestion is to simply shine a lot on call out and educate about undermining gaslighting, bullying and Darvo behaviors, which I'll get to that in a second. I hope you have the time to give a listen and consider for a topic on the podcast. I think it's actually an important topic, one on which joy can probably offer significant insight. And this is very topical for both the Black Lives Matter and COVID conversations that people are grappling with in their lives. Thanks, ladies love and appreciate all you do. So this is from Sandra, and I will explain Darvo in a second. It's D-A-R-V as in Victor O. Here's the message from Sandra. Hi, Joy. Hi, Claire. This is Sandra Barnes. I live in Southern California in Orange County, so I'm quite close to L.A., Joy. But um, I avoid L.A. like the plague because the traffic is horrific. So sorry, not sorry. No L.A. for me. Um, I wanted to just make a quick comment on the most recent podcast and um, the discussion around social media and the mosh pit environment that it has become. There's a little bit of perspective. I'm new to the socials. Uh, I'm a 38-year-old woman who joined Facebook and Instagram this year in January. And uh, obviously, I had no previous interest. Uh, I joined them because uh, I took this art class for this year that has a private Facebook group. So um, I wanted to be able to engage with that group. And so I have very few connections that are actually my friends or coworkers or acquaintances. Most of my connections are just maybe a handful of people 
that I met on the art group, maybe just a couple friends. I have, like, literally 10 or 15 connections, and then I'm in these groups. And uh, this week in one of my art groups, someone posted asking for recommendations for black art instructors online where she could take a class. And as you can imagine, most people came forward and had lots of really great productive suggestions for her. Uh, And then one woman came forward and said that she found it to be quite a curious question and that the poster should just pick out an art class that she likes and not give any thought to the color of the skin of the artist. It was essentially an all lives matter type of response. And so that, of course, got a lot of people piling on to that woman. Uh, And I have to admit, I did engage. But I think, look, I think that uh, there is a way to engage that is productive. And I think (laughs) that the way that I tried to engage, I was trying to be productive. I don't know if I was. But what I pointed out to the woman was that I just said to her, look, I find your question to be passive-aggressive. Uh, you've undermined the original poster's question and you've changed the conversation to one from people answering her question to one where she's now defending and feeling forced to justify her question and now the conversation is about whether that's even a valid thing to ask at all, right? Instead of being like, oh, here's a lot of great black art instructors and I pointed out to her that that is a form of gaslighting and that it's a kind of bullying behavior that makes people feel uncomfortable to ask questions going forward. And it's really not acceptable in that form. And if she wants to question the veracity, uh, challenge the veracity of asking a specific question, then she should simply start her own thread. But she should not hijack the original poster. I felt like that was a perfectly acceptable way to engage. I think, I honestly think, I've been observing a lot of this kind of gaslighting, undermining, bullying type behavior. And I just think that actually most people don't realize they're doing it, right? Like they kind of know it's a little shady and they kind of know they're being passive aggressive and, you know, they're ending their posts where they're telling someone, oh, you shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't ask that question, like with a smiley emoji, right? Like, oh, we just all want the same thing for everyone to be equal, treated equally, Right. When really she's being shady and she's undermining the person, but if you were to call her out directly, she's going to say, how could you call me out? I was so positive. I said we both care about everyone. I put an emoji on the end, right? It's a full Darvo situation. And, Joy, I think you should explain Darvo on the podcast, right, where she's reversing the victim there. So I think that pointing that out, because most people are just not trained to see that, they, they see it and they feel uncomfortable, but they don't quite understand why. But calling that out, I think, is important. I think that's something that has just become so common in society that people can just swoop in, kind of make their little comment, right, hit someone, undermine the question, transform the whole conversation, turn it on its head, and then keep it moving. And so for someone to get in there and say, hey, no, don't invalidate this person, move this conversation to a different thread, I think it's perfectly fair, and I think that's actually quite a productive way to engage. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I hope you play this on the podcast, and I hope that you have a discussion, and I want to see what you guys have to say. Thanks so much. Greetings from sunny Southern California, and thanks for all you guys do. Love you. Bye. Thank you, Sandra Barnes. So that was a good one. And we see that happen all the time. (laughs) 
So I think that that is something I don't think, unfortunately, this is the armpit of social media is where people are like just being bullies or being ridiculous or have like a fake account just so they can go around and, you know, spam people or be a troll. But I do want to point out the DARVO. It stands for denying, attacking, reversing, and reversing the role of victim and offender. It stands D is deny, A is attack, R is reverse, V is for victim, and O is for offender. So basically, you're denying it. I didn't do anything wrong. You're attacking the ind- individual doing the confronting. So if someone confronts you, you're like, oh, I, I can't believe you would do something like that to me. I would never do that to you. And then reversing the role of the victim and the offender. So basically saying, like, if there's, if you did something really horrible, I would come to you and you'd be like, I can't believe, Joy, you would, you would call me a bad person when you have done blah, 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 blah. So it's just completely turning tables. I know we've probably all seen it. We may, we may or not may may or may not have been in a situation like that, but it's really easy to stumble upon that in social media, especially because you're not really having a face-to-face conversation. But I think that that I mean, her example was perfect because I do see a lot of that too. I don't. I mean, I'd love to hear. This is something I think for a longer conversation. But I think that I'd love to hear from listeners of your either experience with that, whether it be with a relationship, whether it be with a friend, where you felt a lot of the times when these situations come up, especially in your personal life, it will feel like you're the crazy person. Mm-hmm. And I, I use crazy lightly, right? I'm not using that as like a pejorative term. I'm just saying you will be made to second guess your own yes, logic and because your own thinking. That is a classic kind of like a bait and switch Darvo tactic where they manipulate to where they cannot handle their feelings of, of ownership or taking accountability. So it immediately jumps around and is po- the fingers pointed at you. And that is very confusing. It happens long, a lot with domestic violence. It happens a lot with victims and offenders. You know, again, I'm going to go back to Larry Nassar where he always flipped it where he was like, I'm a doctor. I can't believe that they would say this. I mean, mm-hmm. they must have been sexually abused that, I mean, everyone who's come forth and said that I uh, did something wrong, they've all had history of sexual abuse. I mean, that is that is classic Darvo. So anyway, so I just feel like this is a space to be to be aware that you don't want to engage with people like that. But I, I also think where she, her example specifically was calling it out, especially in a Facebook group where someone just kind of hijacks a conversation and, right. and calls and it out to where... Aff- and then they're the yeah. ones who end up getting offensive and like, well, or, uh, you know, defensive and... Defensive. Yeah, yeah. and I think that it's I think that that's super common and I see it a lot I mean I've experienced it in my life and in my childhood and dealing with people who use that as their knee-jerk reaction of like Mm -hmm. immediately go to how could you say that I've always been so good to you I've and you know and and I think it's like not to then bring this background across it but like in a way it's almost what people are saying like they're you know like how could you like with the Greg Glassman stuff it's like how could you accuse how could you say this about him look at all he's done for you and you know but people will use it to them for themselves like like I, I have experienced it from people in parental roles. Like, how could you say that I've about me so after much. everything yeah. I've, after I took care of you and gave you all these things and did all these things for you. And, and the, like, I, you know, it, it definitely, it's just like a, the, one of the most intense, it seems defense mechanisms of people who feel called out and just like flip the, try to flip the script as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. And it really doesn't open for any conversation. And right. so I think that that's the other thing too, is are you... And it, ultimately it makes you feel like they want to make you feel bad for making them feel bad. Right. right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'd love to hear your feedback listeners about anything that you've experienced around that, especially um, maybe how you're going to protect yourself with social media, because right now is just a touchy time to really engage into serious conversations. We have so much serious stuff going on in the world that I don't think the platforms of social media are healthy for us. So I just kind of encourage all of us to come up with ideas of how we are going to engage in important conversations that are meaningful and productive. And the comment section is not that place. And I have been guilty of it. I think we can all say we've been guilty of it because you just kind of have to place your anger somewhere. And it's just not a good place. Mm -hmm. So I will say I love days like yesterday, Claire, we were going to record yesterday and you know, crap happened. And I was just in a really crappy mood anyway. So I'll end this on a light note. And I love examples of when this happens too. So I'd love to hear from listeners if this has happened to you or you have a really crappy day and you just kind of like need something to kind of make you laugh and turn your day around while I was driving home. And I was like, you know, we have we have this car where you can do the voice command. And I was like, play Beck. I was just in the mood to hear Beck. And I was like, play Beck. And so it started like shuffling around and all of a sudden the Backstreet Boys came on. Yes. <laughs> and it was, I want it that way. And I was like, this car knew I needed this song right now. <laughs> and I just needed to play Backstreet Boys, I want it that way. I didn't even realize that's how much I needed it, but I was laughing the whole way home and it totally turned my day around. But, you know, these are the moments where you just kind of have to step back, take a breath, be with your friends, be with your family. Mm -hmm. Life is very serious right now and we're going to get through this together. We will still podcast through it all, but we love hearing from you guys and you can always send us voice memos um, and emails by hitting mm -hmm. the contact button on our Instagram profile page, or you can send us an email. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. But our Instagram profile page contact button will give you either the option to email or to send us a voicemail. Both are wonderful. We love playing your voicemails. We love hearing your voices. <sighs> Everybody take a big breath and go listen to some Backstreet Boys <laughs> or Spice Girls. Whatever. I would actually let us know. Send us yeah, send an us your Instagram story or an email or a DM or whatever and let us know what your like, stress relief song is. Which song is it? I would love to know that. Yeah, just tag us in your stress relief song. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do it. Love you and guys. And don't forget to check out blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. Discount code JOY. Get yourself some blue light blocking glasses. Okay, sounds great. Bye.